Hi, I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Randy Materi, and we are Hand Therapy Academy. Today, we're going to talk about mistakes that we've seen, and we're going to be a little vulnerable and talk about some mistakes that we've made in therapy. So these all happen. Nobody's perfect. We're all humans. We're all going to make some mistakes and some screw-ups, some big, some small. We're going to talk about some of those. I'll go first. One of the ones I've done more times than I'd like to admit, busy clinic, patients coming in and out, and people coming and going, and you have a patient come in and sit down in front of you, and you take them out of the hot pack or whatever, and I was with the, one particular patient stands out, and we sat down, and she had just this soft tissue pain to her thenar eminence, and we're working through stuff, and we're chit-chatting, and we're finished. We got like 15 minutes of soft tissue and some ice stim, and I scoop back and say, all right, I'm going to go get you some exercises, and she says, you know what? It's the other hand that's bothering me, right? Uh, <laughs> of course I knew that. I totally knew that. I thought we'd treat both sides today. I said, nope, that was me totally getting it wrong. And I said, <laughs> and I, and I kind of like, I didn't want to blame the patient. I said, is there a reason you let me do that the whole time? She's like, no, I just wasn't sure what was happening. Like 15 minutes is a long time to not know what's happening, but. <laughs> I guess I, it just shows you how passive some, you know, some patients just kind of trust that you're doing the right thing. And yep. Yep. Here I was treating. The complete, I could have been doing a foot massage for her for all it mattered because yeah. it wasn't treating the affected side. And I finished and thought, I apparently need to be better about either A, keeping track or B, checking my notes before patients come through because I just wasted 15 minutes other than giving her a yeah. massage on her other hand. I guess that's better than doing like a wrong-sided surgery, which I think is somewhat common. Yes, yes. I didn't so, amputate the wrong limb or anything. That's right? that's important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've been a lot of... A, I've been on a lot of panels where we study medical errors, and I think a big part of um, studying the errors is what, you know, trying to think of what you learn from the error and then sharing it with other people so they can learn from it as well, which I think is hard because it takes a lot of vulnerability. And um, so I do like to share, especially when I have students, I like to share some of the mistakes I've made in hopes that they um, can learn from it, maybe not make the same mistake but also show them that it's okay to talk about it and it's okay um, to take the steps to rectify it too, right? So a lot of times when something goes wrong, you don't want to admit what you did was wrong, but actually um, that's really what we should be doing. Yeah. So I will share my error. <laughs> and this happened when I was a newer therapist and um, I was at a clinic where we had a technician that would check the temperatures um in the morning and then in the afternoon. So there was always a log of the temperature of the paraffin and the temperature of the hydroculator and all those things. So you could always see the log. So I never checked temperatures, right? I always trusted that the tech or someone else was doing it. And I was taking a patient back to do paraffin. Um, and this patient um, was an older male and he um, dipped his hand in the paraffin and immediately started um, jumping up and down like a crazy person oh, and no. saying, ow, ow, ow. And I was so mortified and we had to, um, I immediately um, had him sit down and I got my supervisor and we had to call the um, met nurse. So it was like emergency nurse that had to come over and evaluate the, the patient and make sure that he was okay. And then um, we also had to, and thankfully everything turned out being okay. It wasn't Good. like where he had to do wound care or it wasn't, it was just a very superficial, um, burn. But, uh, I remember doing loads of paperwork and 
kind of going through and I was thinking, oh my gosh, am I going to get fired for doing this? And um, actually I was thankful I had like a really good supervisor that was very supportive and um, we just kind of worked through it. And thankfully no adverse actions came from that or, you know, I wasn't fired or anything like that, but we did have to do a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's I'm glad he ended up being okay. That's, that's an important part of the story. Yeah. And so from that, I learned now whenever I do paraffin with the patients, I make sure I check the temperature immediately beforehand. And sometimes I will check it um, on myself as well. Cause I, if anybody gets a burn, I want it to be me and not my patient. And then the other thing I learned from it is that people have different sensitivities to heat, which we all know. But one thing I didn't know was that um, redheads in particular have greater sensitivity to heat. Okay. Air complected people. So I didn't know that. And I also learned that um, they also metabolize, metabolize um, sedatives differently. So even if when they're going under anesthesia, sometimes they'll require more than um, say someone else would. So that was kind of an interesting learning thing. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, we've both been a little bit vulnerable. Now let's talk about some other maybe medical errors that we've seen out there in the community, maybe come across our doorstep a little bit. Um, I had a patient who had a, it was a, a cook in, a, in a, a restaurant kitchen and was cutting meat and cut through his thumb, kind of through that uh, Palmer aspect of the web space and went to the hospital. They sewed him up, was a hand surgeon that, that did the, um, the surgical repair. And he said, you basically, you just cut through soft tissue, just the muscle belly a little bit, no major um, tr- structures damaged. Just go to therapy and manage the scar tissue because he'd been immobilized for a couple of weeks just in, as a just in case. He came in and he had really no FPL pull through, no, um, no activation of that um, IP joint inflection. And we worked on it for, you know, got to that six week mark. But everything from the op report said no FPL rupture, like the doctor clearly said no FPL rupture. Sent him back for a follow up, normal follow-up visit. And doctor said, yeah, that doesn't seem right. Let's get him for an MRI. And sure enough, he had lacerated the, um, the FPL in that, uh, in that accident. And, and so it was this validating thing for us as therapists in the clinic at the time to say like, we need to trust our instincts on things and say like, Hey, this doesn't seem right. It's way early at week four to be so caught up in scar that he's getting no activation, not even like the skin kind of puckering with pull, but the scar is binding up. Like he had dense scar, but there was no sign that anything past the scar was happening at all. So maybe I should have sent the patient back a little sooner. Um, maybe that wouldn't have made a difference. I don't know, but trusting ourselves and saying like, Hey, this, we see these things clinically and maybe the doctor was in there with eyes, but you never know what happened. Maybe he ruptured after, like it was a little Nick and then just the scar tissue had an impact on that and he did something that that muscle belly pulled free and ruptured it. But uh, that was a, a, just a missed FPL rupture. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I would say two other common errors I've seen have been involving Coban. Um, actually that one I, in part of the studies that I've been on, um, there's actually been quite a few that have occurred because of Coban and then also quite a few that have occurred because of a hot pack. So sometimes we think our hot packs are safe, um, which, you know, if you follow the, proper protocols and precautions they are, but if the patient doesn't have good sensation, you have to be very careful about putting them in the hot pack because for one, if they can't feel how hot it is, they're not going to let you know. And then I also caution against anybody putting weight on top of the hot pack to get more of a stretch. 
So sometimes when you have those PIP flexion contractures and you want to heat them up and get a stretch on them while they're in the hot pack, um, you know, I've seen people where they put the heavy weight on and it kind of loads the hand down, but then you're also pushing those tips of the finger into the hot pack. Um, and if they don't have good sensation, then they can end up with blisters. Um, in fact, I had one patient that ended up with a blister and then developed osteomyelitis. And then he actually ended up advancing to a ray amputation, um, just in a young guy, a young, healthy guy. So sometimes, you know, things can go very wrong from a hot pack. And then the second one I'll tell you about briefly was a patient that had a, a lidocaine block and she was wrapped in Coban. Um, and she was told to leave the Coban on until she came in to see, um, us and she came in to see us and her whole tip of her finger was necrotic and black. Um, and that was just because she couldn't feel right. So they put it on too tight and then she couldn't notify, um, or she was, she couldn't feel that it was too tight. So she didn't know. And then she was, wasn't going back to that doctor for, um, after she saw therapy. So that was another one I've seen. So if they don't, if you don't have good sensation, you got to be really careful of what modalities you're using. And then if you're a kid as well, right. Cause sometimes yeah. kids won't tell us. Yeah. Um, and kids don't know what is supposed to be happening. So they'll think it's okay and not tell us or not have awareness of their body. Um, I think skin integrity is another thing in our elderly population in our diabetic population, sometimes the EDS, excuse me, EDS population, they may have compromised skin integrity. So they are more susceptible to heat and some of the other modalities. So we got to be careful as we apply those to make sure we're following precautions and I'd always rather, like if I'm putting on a hot pack, I'll say, instead of folding it over on the patient, I'll just put a layer of towel on top to keep the lower levels heat in without that extra weight, without that extra heat source from both sides of the hand. And if they say, I don't really feel like that was beneficial, then maybe we can add to it. When in doubt, go less. Yeah. And add more towels. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. Following that towel layer um, process, because yeah. sometimes it's not that the hot pack was too hot. It's that we got, we forgot a layer of towel we, or the, the extra layers in there. We all have done that at one time or another where you, you were on autopilot and you just missed something, but those things can make a difference in matter. Yeah. And then the other thing is not every patient needs a hot pack, right? So yeah. if they do have compromised compromise sensation, I think it's okay to not do a hot pack. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, there's always mistakes we're going to make. We're humans. We goof things up and sometimes it's a little thing and it's a funny story and sometimes it's a big thing and it causes a problem, but always try to follow precautions and stay on top of things and, uh, and make sure we're taking the best care of our patients. Yes. So if you need more information or have questions, email us info at Hand Therapy Academy or check out our website, handtherapyacademy.com.